This is Montel Jordan, and right now you're listening to I Don't Get It with my girl, Maria Manero. This is how we do it. Hey, Maria, take it away, girl. Thanks, old pal. Friend till the end. Um, Sorry, guys. Hi, everybody. Sorry for um, going dark last week or this past week. Um, I thought I'd be able to churn out an episode while away. I was in Victoria um, hanging with my cousin. Hey, Ed and Christy and uh, uh, my lovely cousin niece and nephews <laughs> I don't know I'm like aunt niece uh, uh, sorry aunt cousin you know one of those who are like old enough to be their aunt really should be but it's through cousins it doesn't matter we're blood related so in some shape form or way um I love you guys I miss you guys and I hope to see you again soon uh, but yeah, I, I guys, I was too busy playing imagination games and watching Community and Superstore and what else did we watch? Modern Family, which I have to say, my, I'm just going to call them my niece and nephew. I'm incredibly proud of my niece and nephew who are amazing, incredible people. They're really good people. And also, to understand the nuances of shows like Superstore and Community at 12 and 10 years old. I mean, it's just, you know, they're just so highly intelligent and beautiful. And I'm so proud um, to call them family. Anyway, today we are talking about making friends, uh, which is... Apparently, very challenging for many adults to do so. Um, I did not realize that that was a thing. That there's so many people out there who have a hard time making friends as adults. Because kids, you know, it's rather easy for us, right? But as adults, it's quite challenging for many. So we talked to a woman who actually has started a meetup group for people who you know, are facing this challenge. And on that note, I'm just going to say I have two anecdotes, which is going to lengthen this preamble, but anecdotes worth telling. One of which is, well, both of which are examples of how chicken shit I am and how bad a friend I am when it comes to fighting. One in high school, one of my friends, Jocelyn, um, she had found out, or we had found out that her boyfriend at the time was cheating on her with some girl from another school. So the plan that we had was we were all sleeping over at our other friend's house, Tanya's house. And then in the morning, we were going to go and to this girl's school, confront her and fight her basically, right? It's like an honor thing. <laughs> which is so dumb because it's obviously the guy's fault but like that's high school it's what you do right so we were all supposed to go in the morning but this is how fucking like pathetic i am so i'm freaking out now because i don't want to seem like the loser that's like no i don't want to fight because i have a big mouth right so in the morning, I'm like panicking. I'm like, what the f- How do I get myself out of this jam? Like, how do I get out of fucking fighting? When, like, I'm so weak and pathetic. Like, I have no upper or lower body strength. Like, this is not going to go well. So, in the morning, when everyone's, like, set to go, I fucking pretend that I'm asleep and that I cannot be woken up. Even though I'm awake the entire time, they're trying to wake me up to go to this fight. And so they're like, we can't wake her up. They leave They leave me. And I'm like, yes, I got out of that. And then they come back and they find out. I don't know what had happened, but I, I guess Jocelyn had fought the girl herself, you know, solo, beat her up, won the fight. And so technically I could have gone to the fight, to the like West Side Story, you know, fight. 
and looked tough and not have had to fight at all. But again, the cowardice took over. So that's a story I haven't told before. Sorry, Jocelyn. I love you, but I'm a chicken shit. Story number two. Uh, in high school, I met my first love um, while he had a girlfriend. So we became friends, started talking on the phone, all that. But his girlfriend at the time, when we started talking, I guess found out that we were like, I don't know, talking or something like that. Anyway, she had beef with me. Why, I don't know, because he really didn't reciprocate any kind of feelings until, you know, way later, like four years later. But anyway, one night I was walking in my neighborhood and she was there. She was like hanging around, I don't know. And then she stepped up to me to confront me to be like, what's up? You know, you're trying to get with my man sort of thing. And again, I'm such a loser. And if if not for the fact that I was with my friend Jay, Cheryl, what's up Jay? Uh, I really would have got massively beaten up. So... Basically, this girl steps up to me and Che, who is somebody you do not want to fuck with, right? Like, she was known to, like, fuck people up. Like, she wasn't, listen, like, an amazing person. It's not like she was, like, looking for fights. But if you if you tried shit with her, you're going to get fucked up. Like, you don't you don't mess with her. That's the thing, right? Um, so anyway, this girl tries to step up to me and Che steps in and is just like, like what are you trying to like back the fuck up back up like what are you trying to do and of course this girl backs up because what's she gonna do fight cheryl i don't think so no in telling that story i realized my memory has failed me because now i can't remember if that was that boyfriend or another boyfriend i had who also had a girl listen Whatever. It's a guy that had a girlfriend and the girlfriend had beef with me. Which of the guys, I don't know anymore. But anyway, the point is, again, avoided a fight physically because somebody else who was tougher and braver and just good at fighting, uh, <laughs> like, saved me. So, thanks, Che. Thanks, Jocelyn. Thank you to all the friends out there who stick up for their other friends who are less able to stick up for themselves. Uh, you know, it's hard sometimes when you fight battles alone. So it's nice to have friends who have your back. Uh, okay, let's get on with the show. This is how to make a friend in 10 days. It may take a little bit more, but... Let's see. Hopefully in 10 days. Here and I don't get it with Maria Monero. I don't get it. I'm so pathetic. One hell of a trash fire. friends and lovers and everybody in between thank you for joining us today on the pod we are talking about making friends as adults joining us in discussing this topic is maggie arai founder of happier hi maggie thanks for joining us hi maria thanks for having me so uh i guess you know we can start with happier tell me about happier what is happier Sure. So Happier is essentially focused around events in Toronto that can help uh, adults make more friends um, because it's difficult at a certain age, especially once you're out of school, if you're working remotely, to meet new people and make new friends. So Happier is just events uh, and then group chats in between those events with some meetups that help people who uh, maybe don't have as many friends or who are looking to make more friends meet those people. And tell me, I guess, why is it so challenging, do you think, for adults to make new friends? Like, why is it 
so easy for kids or younger people. Like, you know, there's there's a point in our lives, I guess, where that switch happens, right? So initially, why is it so challenging for us as adults? And, you know, uh, wh- when? Does yeah, that that's a good question. Um, so I'm by no means an expert, but I would just say colloquially from my experience, from everyone that I've spoken to, um, the main factor seems to be when you're young, it's, it's quite easy to make friends because you're in school. So you have a couple of the things that sociologists have identified as really key for making new friendships. Uh, those two things are Um, continuous unplanned interaction and shared vulnerability. So when you're in school, you you sort of organically have some of those things. You're continuously seeing people over and over again. You have the time to get to know them, feel more comfortable around them and share and be more vulnerable around them. Um, And that can be the case as well as an adult. If you have a really social workplace that you're going into all the time and that has people who are your same age, or if you have a really social hobby, But if you don't have either of those two things, then it becomes much more difficult. And I think part of that is we expect our friendships to happen organically because they happened organically when we were younger. We had an environment where which just fostered friendship. Um, But as we get older, and so I don't know if it's a particular age necessarily, but I think it's a stage of life once you've sort of left a school environment i think that's when it becomes to be uh, starts to be very tricky interesting point you make there about shared vulnerability let's talk about that a little bit that's interesting to me Mm -hmm. so do you feel like as adults that or i mean is there a sort of a feeling of safety when we're younger that we're able to be more vulnerable and then as adults we're there's an expect a societal expectation that we Uh, can no longer express vulnerability? I think that's certainly part of it. Um, I think also if you're thinking about vulnerability, I I think that the idea of shared vulnerability encompasses more than this. But if you're thinking about even just the vulnerability involved in being someone over a certain age, even in your mid-20s to older, and being vulnerable enough to admit, hey, I would like to be friends with you. I need more friends. I'm trying to make more friends. I think even that level of vulnerability can be very difficult for a lot of people. Um, I recently made a friend at work uh, and we had been working together for about five months and we finally sort of went for drinks and we were talking to each other and I said, I didn't know if you'd want to be friends with me and I didn't want to be too pushy or make it clear that I didn't have a lot of friends because then I thought you wouldn't want to be my friend. And it was really funny because she was saying the same thing to me. And do you think it's because as adults, we're just like, why are, I mean, are do we become more fearful of rejection do we become less brave you know i mean because that certainly kind of reads as that right that we are immediately thinking of being rejected whereas when we're younger we're sort of less inclined to think that that's what the case would be yeah i i am not sure why we become less brave But I think I will say one thing, um, which was actually a conversation that uh, I and some of the attendees at our last event on Sunday and one of our lovely facilitators, a conversation that they were having, which was that a lot of the time, if you're an adult and you want to make a new friend, people will tell you to go take up a hobby. And they were talking about how it's interesting that a lot of the same things that prevent us from wanting to start a hobby um, at a certain age are the same things that prevent us from making new friends at a certain age. And it's sort of this feeling of like, I should have figured this out by this age. So maybe as a kid, you don't feel like I should already have my friends, I should already have my people. But as an adult, I think there's much more of a of an inclination. And I think society kind of tells us this too. Like by this age, you should have figured things out. Uh, you shouldn't be bad at anything. You shouldn't, you know, be still looking for people. And it's maybe a, a sign that there's something wrong with you if you don't have enough friends. Uh, and have you found, you know, you mentioned you just made a friend at work recently. Have you found it hard to make new friends as an adult yourself? I think I definitely have found it hard as an adult myself. Um, 
I would say that I have a lot of those same fears and a lot of those same worries about rejection, worries about coming on too strong, um, a feeling that I may not have all the friends that I want, but the people around me, the people that I want to be friends with, they probably have enough um, and they don't want me bothering them. So that is one aspect of it's made it hard. And is that what what was the impetus that made you start happier? Like what made you start it? Yeah, so it's interesting. The Oranges story is a little bit roundabout, but I'll I'll try and keep it compact, which is essentially during COVID, um, I was having a really hard time with my mental health, as I know a lot of people were. And what really helped me at the time was I found the science of happiness. I, I learned about positive psychology. I became really interested in it. And so that's where the idea of events came in. Um, And it sort of naturally flowed from that, that when you look at the science of happiness, one of, if not the most important thing is having good close relationships. And there were so many people around me, myself included, who said, wow, I really don't have as many or as as good of close, those close relationships that I would like to have. Right. I mean, and, you know, the ethos of this show, just, you know, is you know, what's really primarily important for me is that it's a very non-judgmental space. It's the ambition, the aim of the show is to understand everybody's perspectives, not necessarily to subscribe to everybody's beliefs, but like just to try to understand, you know, even if they're different from my opinions or how I live my life, et cetera, really to try to understand. And that's why, because I don't get it, right? So I'm trying to get it. So, I mean, listen, to be perfectly frank, the other part, too, is, you know, a very transparent and honest conversation because I'm very open. And to be very transparent, I don't have very many friends. I really don't. Now, did you find that you you also as an adult didn't have very many friends? And that's another part of, you know, because some people are lucky they've had like my husband has childhood friends that are still his friends and, you know there's a there's a sense of shame and uh embarrassment and sort of failure i guess you know and not having that or not having retained those friendships that are associated with it so yeah i mean did you find that that's also the trajectory that kind of like you of your of your life and it's just how it happened absolutely yeah that's very familiar to me um i So when I was maybe two years into dating my partner, um, I was in a stage in my life where I had sort of lost touch, as you're you're describing, I'd sort of lost touch with a lot of my childhood friends. I'd lost touch with a lot of my high school friends. Part of it was a byproduct of ending the previous relationship. So uh, yeah, so um, my previous partner, my previous partner um, was a friend uh, from my high school years. We had shared friends and when things ended, I kind of had this feeling of, you know, they're closer with him and maybe he needs them more, um, sort of pulled myself back in a way that I regret. Yeah, no, I can certainly, I can certainly empathize and understand because similarly that happened to me, not with a relationship, however, with uh, a friend. So when we, we had shared friends, obviously, and when we fell out, the group of friends sort of she inherited the group of friends and I lost them all you know yeah and you know yeah yeah, it's it's hurtful and but you know such is life it happens and you kind Mm -hmm. of just accept it and you know move on but you were sort of isolated and just you just had your relationship and that was it and you didn't have you know friendships and you felt like you needed that part of your life yeah, I, w- I would say so. At the time, um, I had f- just a few, maybe maybe three, you know, uh, three friends, um, not even all in the same city. And I remember very vividly there was a day when I'd sort of been having a bad week. I'd been kind of grumpy. I'd been kind of harsh with my partner. And he sat me down and he kind of said, I can't be everything for you in a very, like, in a very kind way. And I know some how some people may take that, but it was very much, you know, I... I, I think it's true. You can't be everything for your partner, right? And and if you 
I think particularly sometimes if you're in a new relationship or if you're really happy in your relationship, it can feel like this is all that I need. And we do really sort of think about and talk about romantic relationships as sort of the pinnacle of the relationships that we should strive for. Um, But it was really putting a strain on our relationship. And we had to kind of sit down and have a conversation where I said, wow, I didn't actually even realize, but I don't have, I have like two, three friends at the moment and I've got nobody else to support me. And I'm, so I'm kind of expecting you to fulfill all of my emotional needs, like do everything that I be every person that I need you to be. Um, and that's not fair for him and not good for Is there a certain amount of friends that you think, you know, is the right number, you know, for yourself or for any, you know, anybody? I don't think that there's a certain amount of friends that's the right number. I know that some people, so, you know, speaking of my partner, he, uh, we've taken personality tests before. We're both quite into personality tests. And I know, I remember that he has gotten a result before that said he loves to be around people all the time. He loves to connect with, with everyone. He loves having a really wide circle. And I'm a little bit different. I like having a close circle of really high quality. And that's not to say that, that the people he's, yeah, you know, but I, they're trash. <laughs> that the it. people he's, yeah. he's got in yeah. a circle, they're all wonder, <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all wonderful as well. But I think um, I like invest a lot in just mm-hmm. a few people. And so it's almost different attachment styles. And I, so I think the number of friends that you need is probably the number that feels right. like it's enough for you. But I think you have to be really honest with yourself about like, is this actually enough? Or am I telling myself it's enough because I'm scared to go out and try and find more people? And so for me, yeah. And so for me, I was able to say, oh, I do have, you know, I have, you know, five, six close friends. Maybe that's enough. But more. what I was noticing is you, that you needed um, yeah. I needed I needed more. So, yeah, I did. So what happens at the events? Yeah. yeah. So in the events we've had so far, um, one, there's a couple of things that we do. So one thing, again, is we know that it's really nerve wracking to go to anything alone, much less something where, you know, Someone said this to me the other day and it really resonated. They were like, it's really interesting because by buying a ticket, you are kind of crossing that threshold of admitting like, I need more friends. So one thing we do is we have what we call facilitators and they're more extroverted, like really friendly, welcoming, kind people that we have on site for the whole event so that if I'm walking in alone, for example, I know and I know that I can go talk to Molly or I can go talk to Georgie or Adamola. And that helps alleviate a lot of that fear because the attendees are kind of getting a photo, a name, a little brief bio, and they know, okay, Georgie's going to be there when I walk in the doors, I can go talk to him. People don't want to go to something alone, but if they might know somebody that they know they can go chat with, it's it makes things a lot easier. It kind of removes a barrier. I mean, but isn't it very awkward? You know, just this, the idea, the notion of like, you know, people going with the intention of making so friends. I was worried that it was going to be very awkward. And at our first event, um, we only had maybe 18 to 20 people total. And uh, it's really helpful having the facilitators there to kind of be able to chat with them and make them feel welcome. And, you know, just like with your podcast, just show, you know, this is a non-judgmental space. We want you to feel welcome and safe here. But what we found is that people have been really, really friendly towards each other, very open, very willing to kind of talk and connect. And one of the games that we play, so we we have games and activities so that people don't just have to make small talk uh, for three hours, because to your point, I think that would get awkward. Uh, you run out of things to say. <laughs> Does it ever feel contrived at all? You know? So far, I really haven't felt that um so Mm -hmm. i wasn't a part of the second the the we're not people playing we're not really strangers at the second event because i was just Mm -hmm. running around too much um i was there for the first one and it felt very raw uh and very Mm -hmm. vulnerable i think that there was what i regret from that one is i think that there was one person so everyone in the room kind of converged on we want to play this game and there was right. one person who I think wasn't comfortable to be at that level yet. Right. Um, and there wasn't a lot we could do to to do something else with him. Um, and so I think that was an uncomfortable environment for him. And I think right. it came down to not having enough people in the room. Um, right. And how so, many people? How many people do you have 
coming now? So at our second event, um, we were supposed to have 50. We ended up having closer to 40. Uh, had, wow. Uh, yeah, we had about 10 dropouts at the last minute for traffic and sickness and so on. But we had about 40 at the last one. So like, have people made true friends? Have you made friends at these events? So we're still really early stages, but what I'll say is it's really feeling that way, like to an even better extent than I actually would have imagined. Um, part of what we think is really important is not just having the events, but having a way for people to keep seeing each other afterwards. Yeah. Because um, again, I think a big barrier to adult friendships is being the one that says, hey, you know, we met and we seem to like each other. Would you like to do something with me again? Would you want to go for dinner or coffee or whatever, being the person to extend that branch? So we have a group chat on Discord, actually, that helps like facilitate some of those things. I'll put suggestions out there or we've had group members even putting suggestions out there as well. And so um, I've seen people meeting up. So I don't want to make any claims that, you know, people have made really close tight friendships yet exactly I don't I think it's early but I've seen people you know going and doing those things together after our second event we had 10 people when the event was ending say we're all going to Jimmy's coffee together you know do you want to come join us because we're going to go do that because the event is ending the space is no longer rented but we want to keep hanging out and so seeing some of those things happen and I'm, I'm meeting up for I met for Korean barbecue with a couple of attendees from the first one, and we were able to chat more and get to know each other more. So seeing some of that, I would say, has been really exciting and seems like a really positive Have you step. yourself personally made friends at the events? Or do you feel like, you know, because it's sort of your business, it's kind of you're detached a little bit? And... No, uh, I'm also definitely trying to make friends at the events. Um, and I... Again, I think it's early to say friendship, but I have a dinner planned tomorrow with a, a girl who came to one of the events, uh, just her and I. I've got another one planned for next Wednesday. Um, so I don't know if I'll say that I've made friends yet, but I have like I'm, I'm making steps towards that uh, with some of the people who have come, which is really cool and exciting to me. And hopefully they'll still want to be my friend. <laughs> and do you have any advice on making friends for adults? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice on making friends is to make the move. Don't wait for the other person to sort of ask you to go for dinner or ask you to go do something. You can ask people and if they say no, that's okay. okay. So what do you think the key is to make to becoming friends? Like what commonalities between two people is the most significant, do you think? Does there have to be like an intangible spark, like when you're dating, you know, or like, is there specific commonality that is really a bonding thing? I think that is a really great question. I, you know, I'm going to say what I think and we'll see what the experts have to say about it. The true experts have to say about it. I'm not sure if there is one thing um, that really helps you become friends with someone and what I'm going to use to maybe anecdotally back that up is I've what I found that's really interesting is you may have a lot of different or some some sort of different friend groups or different friends um, that are really dear to you, very close to you, you get along amazingly. And yet those same friends don't really seem to get along with each other. They can't click with each other. I think you see that all the time. And so I don't right. know. I, I think it's, you know, you have something in common with this friend and you have something in common with that friend, but those two friends, they don't have something that can bind them together. And that's what makes me feel like maybe it's it's different things. Um, yeah. Sometimes I think it's just shared experiences um, <laughs> that really help people bond together or right. make them feel like we're, we're right. in this thing together. Um, and so maybe in a lot of ways, liking some of the same sorts of activities um, can, can bring you closer, perhaps. Yeah, the reason I asked that question actually is because I thought of High Fidelity, which I don't know if you're familiar with the movie or the book. Um, Actually not. It's a, it's a it's an amazing book. Oh my god, um, 
who I'm blanking on the author, who is like one of my favorites, which of course I'm blanking on it. <laughs> um, no, Nick Hornby. Okay. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Such an idiot. No, always um, happens and when it's the, important. <laughs> yeah, Nick Hornby is one, uh, one of the great um, British author. Um, so he wrote High Fidelity, and then subsequently a movie was made about it starring John Cusack. And then subsequently they made a, they tried to make a TV show out of it as well. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, he's so he's in the throes of a breakup. And he talks about there's a line that he says, which I'm going to fuck up. But he says something about, you know, it's not about what you like. It's about what you don't like. Like that bonds uh. people together. It's like you're the things that you dislike together is the thing that bonds you you know and so that's why i thought of that is like what is the thing is that the thing i mean is that the commonality really ignite friendship i mean i guess it's different for everybody right like whatever's significant to you you find in somebody else and it's significant to them and then boom i mean i guess it really is a lot like dating I think I think it really, really yeah. is, yeah. Except that we've come to think of it as a whole lot less important, yeah. Uh, or many, many people. Well, do. yeah. It's funny you say that because, um, you know, I saw a poem. I can't remember again the the author, but there it was. The gist of it was that you know there are no songs for friendship breakups when you break up with a friend. There's no, you know, there's loads of sad songs for when you lose. A love, you know, a romantic love when that relationship ends. But when a friendship ends, Mm -hmm. there's no sad songs. There are no stories. We don't lament them in the same way, right? Even though they're just as tragic, right? So what do you think qualifies uh, as a good friendship? Oh, that is a very good question. You know, I think, I hate to say it again, I think it's different for everyone. And I think a big part of that is because of uh, love languages, if you're familiar with with that. Um, and so if I'm with a partner who is showing me love because their love language, let's say, for example, is physical touch and quality time. Mm-hmm. If they're showing me love in those ways, I might not recognize it right, as love. Because and I it's might not feel like, the same feel like why do they right. never, you know, do the dishes so that I don't have to do them right. when I come home, Which something like that. I don't. It's right home, Maggie. It's right home. Right. And my partner, by the way, is the one who does all of the dishes. Same so here. Actually... And then, um, yes. yeah, and I get the old, like, you didn't even try to clean up the kitchen. I was like, shit. It's just not my right. forte. I can right. fucking produce an entire show and yes. do that, but yeah, cleaning the kitchen doesn't even occur to me. Right. So, but yeah, right. anyways. Exactly. So. so, yeah, so with love languages, not to, to go on about them too much, but basically the way that you receive love is also the way that you'll tend to show love. Mm-hmm. So if you have completely different love languages from your partner, you either have to learn to you know, feel loved from the things that they're doing for you, or they have to learn to sort of adapt. You have to learn to adapt to each other's love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what makes a good friendship, like really at its core is for me, it's somebody being there for me when I need them or like being willing to help me or do things for me. Right. Um, that to me is like a really strong pillar. That's a strong a basis for mm-hmm. for everything else and that's because that's a love language for me right but here's the thing about that mm-hmm. you know i've struggled with female friendships specifically because i found them to be quite demanding and very conditional mm. and i have i'm i'm really i'm really intense you know like i'm kind of zero to a hundred too fast, too furious all the time. And, you know, I'm deeply loyal and, you know, I'm like Mm -hmm. the one you call to bury the body, so to speak, right? But I found like throughout my life what I had been doing. I'm I'm 42 now, but, you know, and I've just realized that um, I had been, I was always putting conditions on other people to reciprocate 
how I love or my love language or, you know, how I define friendships and I expected and demanded the same thing of them, mm. which was unfair because nobody asked me to be that way. You know, I choose to be that way of my own volition. I can't expect reciprocity just because I choose to do it. Like mm -hmm. that's, you know, relationships can't be conditional. They just can't. You can't. You have to do things. You choose to do it because out of love for that person. And that's it. And expect nothing in return. So, yeah, you know, and saying that, you know, that... Mm -hmm. Is your love language, like that's the the qualifier for you? But do you feel like that's an unfair kind of expectation, yeah. you know, to put on somebody else? Because you know, if they can't f fulfill that in the, in the way that you need or expect them to, then like what like what how do you feel then that like disappointed or do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like they're not really your friend? Like, you know, I yeah, I absolutely do know what you mean. I I think I think that's important. I think maybe it's an important point of the whole love language discussion in general. Again, I think it's like you may have a certain way that you feel love, and so for me, I think more naturally when I have friends who have similar love languages, uh, it's very easy for it to just be a, a flow of, you know, right. we're doing these things for each other. We show love and receive love in the same ways. It's quite easy. Um, right. And I think that I have messed up relationships in the past because I was mm -hmm. expecting, you know, X, Y, and Z from a friend. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't saying I expect you to do X, Y, Z. I was just thinking, and I think this is really a common trap, is we think to ourselves, if they cared about me, if they loved me, they would right. do these things. But right. that's, because, like, what the love languages show us is that's not true, right? Right. And that's just because it's what you would do. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they would do, and it's an unfair exactly. pressure to put on somebody else. But Exactly. So then how do you then navigate a relationship where in which your love languages are different so your your needs are not necessarily fulfilled in the way that you would hope them to be you know can you still be friends with that person i think that you can i think that what's like again it's sort of just like with a with a romantic relationship what's really important in in those cases is i think that we need to change a mindset maybe yeah. that says if they loved me, they would do X or Y, because that's how I receive love and be able to see the things that they do do for you. Right. And like, so right. for me, be able to see the things that my friends do for me and feel love in that way or understand yeah. that they're showing love in that way. And it's not going to be the same as the way that, that I show it. Um, and I think some of these are important lessons that you only learn when you, you mess up an important relationship because you were expecting to see something in a certain way and you didn't. Right. So and like you brought it, brought it up kind of a couple of times, like, cause I was going to ask if you've lost friends, obviously in the past, which you, and you know, you've mentioned that you have, is there a specific kind of standout relationship that you have regrets about? Because I, you know, the relationship that I told you about the friendship where I lost a group of friends, you know, uh, was a best friend I had for in high school. 20 yeah. years you know we were best friends so it was really painful and yeah I mean it was just you know really difficult so did you have a, a similar experience did you have something like that happen as well yeah 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 I have I have uh -huh. a standout friendship that that I lost that I you know I I really I still kind of mourn. Um, it's just probably about, and it, it, I mean, it was, it was about three years ago and it's the same as with you. It was a friend from high school. We were best, you know, the, one of my closest friends from when I was maybe 14, 14 years old. Um, so really, really close joined at the hip sorts of friends for, for about 10 years. Um, and I think, you know, I, 
I can't speak to what her side of the story is or, or how she was feeling about things. But I think from my side, I was feeling like, you know, you don't, you cancel plans on me. Uh, you don't care about me anymore. I'm not like an important person in your life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I look back on that with a lot of regret because there was a time where we were drifting and she did reach out and she sort of said, I don't want to lose you. We need to sort of talk through what's going on because we're drifting and I don't want us to drift. And I remember responding and sort of saying, okay, well, you know, let's not then sort of, we kind of, we kind of resolved things a little bit. Um, But then I kept sort of, I, I think I still held on to the same feelings of, well, you know, you didn't make time for me. So yeah, you didn't make time for me. So I'm not going to make time for you. And, um, you know, yeah, looking back on it. So that you didn't have like a, you didn't have like a kind of huge fallout. Like there wasn't a big fight. There was a little bit of like a turning point, which I think was reached because of, you know, I think, I was feeling resentful towards her. I'm sure by that point, she was definitely feeling resentful towards me. Um, And so there was sort of a complete falling out um, virtually of just like an an angry message. And then that was the end. Um, And And you haven't spoken for three years. We haven't spoken since then. Right. And being that you have regrets about it, have you thought about reaching out or anything? I mean, I'm sure you've thought about it, but, you know. I've thought about it. So I would say it's taken a while for me to get to the point where I can kind of look on it and say I really kind of regret how I acted at the time. Um, When it happened, I was just angry. I was, this is all her fault and she's done everything. And, you know, you talk about how we, we talked a little bit about how we don't let ourselves sort of mourn friendship breakups the way that we mourn romantic breakups Mm -hmm. and, Um, so my response to that was just to be angry and kind of deny the fact that it was like heartbreaking. Um, (laughs) right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So So do you think that you would ever reach out? I've thought about it a lot more, I would say recently, um, partially because of all of this I'm talking so much more to people about friendships I'm thinking so much more about friendships and this like is a person who stand out stands out in my mind I I don't like if you know the brutally honest like I don't I don't know if I will um and I think a big thing that scares me and stops stops that for me is like I I'm afraid. I'm not sure what she would say. The, you know, the sort of the sort of the angry message had come from her. And so, again, I think it does come back a little bit to me saying I'm I'm being a hypocrite because I tell people if you want to make friends, you need to be open to that rejection. But I, I'm scared of. But you're human. <laughs> yeah. You're human. Yeah. But let's say, yeah, no, for the sake of whatever. Let's say she's listening. Mm-hmm what would you say like what would you say now if you could you know because I'm 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 not really a fan of things left unsaid like I feel like if you love somebody you tell them and so just into the ether if you could if you had the chance if she was right here in this moment well what would you say now having the time and perspective that you've gotten over the last three years? I think, um, I think I would say that. That's okay. I think I would say that I'm sorry. That's okay, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm sorry and that she was a very important person to me and that I'm sorry I didn't try harder to fix things when she had reached out to, to try and do that. And don't you think that warrants then maybe putting aside your pride or your fear of rejection and trying? Yeah, I think it might. Because, you know, if you love somebody that much, the worst they can say is, I don't love you back. But it doesn't change that you love them. Yeah. You know? And then at least you've said... and. And what if she also feels the same way? 
And then you just, all these years pass and you never said, and it's just wasted time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, it's very important to you, you know. And I feel like it's probably the huge impetus for you to start happier and to, you know, really examine and to feel like, you know, um, maybe you don't need more friends. Maybe it's just that you miss your best friend. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think there's maybe elements of both. Yeah. Do you yeah. think you can? Anybody can be happy without friends. I I don't think that I don't think that you can be happy without relationships and I think that naturally some of those relationships are, are going to be have going to have to be friendships you know I think we have romantic partners and they fulfill certain things for us we have you know family or mentors and they fulfill certain things for us I think we need all those different people who sort of filling all those different roles for us um, so no I, I think and I think science actually backs me up on this one is I yeah. think you do need friends and close good relationships in order to be happy do you think that you can ever find a friendship that will fulfill you or sustain you in a way that will help you get over the loss of your best friend I I do think so yeah and I don't mean that in a way to say that that friendship is replaceable mm -hmm. in any sense or that she's replaceable in any sense um but I do think you're hopeful I, I'm hopeful I think that we have different friends that sort of fulfill you know maybe they're good for us at a time in our lives and and just at a different stage maybe it's someone else, and I don't think that's a replacement or changes how yeah, they were. For a reason, for a season. Do you have any mutual friends? Um, we have... I would say not. I would say not really. Really? So, mm -hmm. so you don't really have any ties at all that connect you anymore? No. Right. And now... You guys have no, like, not even on socials or anything like that? Uh, no, I think at the time she sort of had blocked, like, sent the message and sort of blocked, blocked, blocked me on everything. You? Yeah. Was it really nasty, like, to the point where it felt unforgivable to you? No, I don't think that it was really nasty. At the time, it made me really angry. Um, at the time, it made me really angry, but... And did you feel like the anger was even more so because you were denied... Because then if she had blocked you, you were denied then a response, right? Actually, not so much. I, um, I think that when I'm angry, there's maybe different anger styles as well. And for me, when I'm angry, I think... Well, I'm just not, I'm just not gonna message you, because I probably, I don't, you know, I probably could have tried to WhatsApp her or text her, you know, but I, I didn't want to, at the time. Right. I didn't want to. Yeah. And do you think that, you know, and I ask this for myself too, do you think that? friendships like that are salvageable you know you're so close and I think the closer we are to each other the the more we hurt each other the more painful it is and so yeah. I look back on on my friendship and it, it's still I mean I'm not over it but I wonder if it's salvageable I mean I tried I tried and she said no I don't yeah. want to be your friend anymore and that's really great. I mean, you know, I, I said a lot of awful things 
you know, because I was angry in the moment. But I tried, and that's all I can do. I can't force her to be my friend, you know. But it hurts, right? It hurts for somebody to tell you, I don't love you, or I don't feel the same way, right? So, you know, your fears are... They're, I mean, they're merited because certainly can happen. But I also think when you love somebody, it's worth a try. At least you try. You know what I mean? Like for me, it still makes me sad, but at least I tried. And I don't know what more I could do other than that. Right? Yeah, no, it's a good. How, like, how true. do you know if someone wants to be your friend? Like, when you're trying to make friends with somebody, how? How? Because you talk about the like sort of awkwardness of like, like you know, are they like? Do they feel the same way? Am I coming on too strong? How do you know that you're on the same level? That's. Uh, I think it's a really good question. I think. I think probably, yeah, I, yeah. One of the ways that I guess I want to phrase it to avoid, you know, they do exactly this or exactly that, but um, feeling some form of effort from them um, in, in whatever. And that's, again, that's very difficult because you might think that effort looks like something specific. But do you think that you um, should make the first move? Like if, have, have you put in the effort? I think, yeah, I think that you, I think that if you are saying to yourself, I want more friends, I need more friends, you do, you have to put in the effort, you can't sort of, I don't think that you can sort of wait and just see if they're going to do something. I think you need to put yourself out there and ask them to hang out, ask them to do something together. And, you know, if they're saying no consistently or if they say sure and push it off yeah 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 yeah. and so when I talk about when I talk about effort maybe it's not it's not fair to say that but I suppose um you know if you if you've organized things for five times um and there's maybe some reluctance and you're reading some signs of reluctance and they're not sort of trying to do anything um maybe but you know, actually, I, I might I might take that back. I feel I feel concerned about trying to categorize things as any way. I think the only way to know if someone wants to be your friend is to really try to be their friend and see if they are open to it or if they kind of shut you right. down. Which is yeah. the advice you would probably give to Maggie or I, right? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, what makes somebody a best friend? What's the qualifier? I don't know. Well, I mean, you I know, don't know. The I... that you have that we're talking about, you easily mm-hmm. said was your best friend. So, what made her a best friend? Yeah, I think. Um, I think for me, I tend to give the title of of best friend to multiple people at the same time I'm okay with doing that um I guess it's the people I feel closest to and so I think just that the people that you feel closest to and I'm reluctant to qualify it in any other way because sometimes it can be time but sometimes it's not sometimes you meet someone and a few months later you feel as close to them as if you'd known them for years um So I don't even necessarily think that it's time. I think it's just some magic recipe of closeness that, you know. An intangible thing. So, okay. So what should a person not do if they're trying to make friends? Oh, yes. I can absolutely tell you what a person should not do because I think I spent my entire undergrad and many of my, even while I was in school, I'm talking about how it's easy to do it Uh in school. And I I shut down new friendships when I was in my undergrad. You did. And I look back on it and I, 
and and I think it wasn't that people were I, people were reaching out to me and I shut it down, but I I like shut it down before it could start. Like I didn't really try to engage with anyone. Why did you do I, that? I think it was really silly and defensive, and I think it came from you know that same that same fear um, that if 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 I try with someone, I'm being vulnerable, and I definitely don't think that I'm at that point anymore. Oh, so you, you just don't want to be vulnerable for fear of heartbreak. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. And it's funny because I'm not sure at that point it even would be heartbreak. I think it would just be, you know, the rejection of someone who's basically a stranger. Um, but, you know, I guess you're 20, 21, um, you know, <laughs> there's a certain I guess just a certain level of of growing up yeah to be done um and lots of lots of my peers who were the same age well, have grown up <laughs> much more to be able to do that because right technically we've become more mature and more emotionally aware I guess and I don't know better suited and yet it becomes harder and harder to make friends as we get older but yeah so hit me I mean what mm -hmm. should I not do if I'm trying to make friends I think you shouldn't assume that other people won't like you. You shouldn't assume that other people, you know, they have all of their friends. We've hit a stage in life at any stage in life, um, no matter what age you are. Don't tell yourself, I've hit a stage in life that everybody has their friends already and they're not going to be interested in mm -hmm. being friends with me. Um, and I think you shouldn't talk yourself out of asking them to go do something together. So, yeah. I think those are all the big shouldn'ts, uh, which basically just boil down to don't, don't, don't stop yourself from, from right. putting yourself out there. Don't not put yourself yeah. out there. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's, yeah. and you know, also, um, I'm just lazy, you know, laziness too, because it's, it's effort, right? You have to put in the effort. It's a lot of effort. And, Is it worth it, um, Again, I think that it's worth it. I think that it's worth it. I think that it's but, worth I mean, it because if you, you, they betray you, they let you down, they break your heart. Is yeah. it really worth it in the end? I mean, I think that question really boils down to are, are people worth it? Are relationships of any kind worth it? And... I think the answer, yeah, I think, I think for me, the answer's got to be yes. And I think really your only other option is to, is to, to be a hermit and, you know, cut yourself off, cut yourself off from everyone. And I think that's, that's, that's the path of, I don't want any lows, so I'm okay with never having any highs. But listen, uh, I've taken up so much of your time. Thank you for being so generous with your time and, you know, yourself. I really appreciate your open, your willingness to open up and being vulnerable and being honest and sincere and transparent. I think it's very, it's very brave and it gives solace to, to people, you know, people listening. I'm sure we all have struggles and friendships. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing it with people. And, you know, well, and I you. hope that, you know, like, again, there's no right, for me, I don't feel, I mean, that's really, somebody's really in trouble there. I guess the reason why I'm so anti-judgment is because I don't feel like I have the right to be in a place of judgment of other people because I'm a disaster. I do not know anything. I have not figured anything out. So who am I to say to anybody, do this or do that? You know, don't do this, or don't do that. Yeah, relatable. I respect everybody's choices to live their lives as right. they, you know, feel like they should or want to. And, I, like, I respect it. I value it. So I'm sorry mm -hmm. for your heartbreak. You know, I'm sorry for my heartbreak and the losses that we've mm -hmm. suffered in, in friendships. 
And hopefully, you know, time heals all wounds, hopefully. So I hope for you, you know, that you find peace, whatever form that comes in for you in that friendship. Thank you. I hope that for you too. And thank you for, thank you for talking to me about yours. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's some ways and not that I want it to have happened, but it's comforting to be able to talk about those sort of shared things and know that other people are experiencing the same feelings and the same sorts of situations that you are. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that too. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, I mean, listen, you've got a friend in me, Maggie. So anytime you want to talk, just hit me up. I would love that. Absolutely. A hundred percent. How to make friends as an adult. Go on a podcast and talk it out. (laughs) That's apparently that's the number one tip. (laughs) That's how that's the answer to the question. I don't get it. I think I get it now. That's what happens. We come on come on the show, we share, and then we become friends. And that's how it is. I love it. So thank you for coming on and thank you for uh being my new friend and sharing (laughs) your life and um yeah. I hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Hope to talk to you soon as well. Thanks, Maggie, for that chat. Thanks for coming on, being so honest and open about uh, making friends and, you know, your story. Um, You know, brevity is not in my strong suit, but I keep it tight because I know the episode is late this week and already was dark last week the show so um you know we're trying to get it out as quickly as we can but uh life sometimes happens in any case thank you for tuning in thank you to our friends in puerto rico by the way who have joined um our little group of listeners and um thank you to old friends new friends um, future friends who are, are tuning in, have tuned in, will be tuning in. Um, please stay a while. And thank you to those who have uh, sponsored since its donation, if that's what it's called, um, to the show. The sentiment is so appreciated because I know that um, it's it's out of appreciation for the work that has been put into the show. Um, and so that's really nice and it means a lot thank you and also thank you everybody for listening i know you know not every episode is everybody's cup of tea everybody seems to have their own particularly favorite episode and that's great you know this is not it's not meant to i don't want to impose on anybody it's sort of like yeah that's cool like that wasn't totally your vibe or it wasn't for you. All good, man. But I hope you do find something somewhere in the show that resonates with you. And the thing is, you know, I hope somewhere, somehow, some way, it it does eventually become apparent that really all the episodes, as much as they vary from each other, are really about human connection, you know? Like, really, if you distill it, like, it's not about really just swinging or sex or catfishing or um, my exes or our exes. It's really about, you know, human connection, loneliness, trying to connect with each other. And I guess love, you know, loss. I don't know. So thanks for tuning in this week. Tune in next week for another episode and um thank you jocelyn and cheryl for saving me from getting my ass beat um more about um and as always if there are things you find quizzical curious you don't get it you don't understand you're like what please email us at burningtrashfire at gmail.com and we will endeavor to help you 
get it. Not to say I will ever get anything because, you know, the lifespan of the show is going to be eternal because when will I get it, folks? You know that I won't. And I'm just, you know, a fool on the hill. But we'll never stop trying, never stop, never stopping because I don't know why, guys. But I'm just eternally hopeful. Eternally curious, eternally lost. Thanks for being here, and thank you for tuning in. It's I Don't Get It with Maria Monero, and I'll see y'all next week. Bye. One hell of a trash fire